Matthew 13, Matthew 13, Matthew 13. All right, if you are able to stand, we're going to look at the first nine verses. So Brother Brian and Miss Beth are on vacation. Uh, He had been ill, but uh, I heard he's feeling better. He lost a few days on vacation to illness. Uh, We've got a lot of people out of town, but I noticed we've got a lot of folks visiting, so that's awesome. I'm glad you chose to be in the house of God today. Matthew 13. Oh, by the way, my wife, she is in the junior church. If you listen closely. All right. Verse 1. Verse 1. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the sea, by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed some seeds, some seeds fell by the wayside, and The fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Father, we pray that you bless the message. We pray that the Spirit of God would speak to our heart this morning. Help us to be attentive to your voice. We know that you know how to get our attention. We ask, Lord, that you would be glorified at this time. I pray the word would land on good ground. We're grateful, Lord Jesus, that uh, there's not a person in this room that you're not familiar with. You are very aware of every situation, every burden, every intricate detail of every individual in the room. And you know how to speak to them and make it personal. I pray that you'd do that. May you remove all distractions. May you bless our special music. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Let me preface the study with uh, this story. I grew up in northern Michigan in a little town called Kingsley. Had one light. My granddad had a a service station, a Texaco service station right in the middle of town. And right across from his place of business, and his house was next door to his place of business, right across the street in the middle of town was a Salvation Army store owned by a man by the name of Cleo Wolf. I remember this. This would have been uh, late 70s, early 80s. We'd go over there, and you'd find all kind of, kinds of Army surplus things and all of that. And one day, one day, the, uh, the store had closed down. I thought it was a cool place for a kid to walk around. And, uh, but they changed it into a pizza place, an arcade place. So that was a good 
trade for me. But I asked Granddad, I said, what happened to uh, Mr. Wolf? He said he struck oil. I said he struck oil. So apparently at that time up in northern Michigan, uh, there was an oil boom. My dad worked on the oil rigs. And Cleo Wolf owned about 30, 40 acres. And uh, they were doing soil samples. And anybody that owned property wanted, when they heard about this, yeah, come to our property and check it out. My dad had 14 acres and nothing. But <coughs> Cleo Wolf, my grandpa called him the old codger across the street, struck oil. He let them do a soil sample. Well, I want to talk to you as we consider this parable of the sower. I'm going to talk to you about soil sampling here. That doesn't sound like a great title, soil sampling, but I guess it would work. I think that young lady is a little ill. We might need a, somebody to check on her if we can have somebody do that. Um, but I want us to look at this passage here again. Here at verse 4, 3 and 4, verse 3 and 4. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. I want to present two things and make sure, is this on? Am I still on here? Okay. The parable is a very familiar one. If you have read through the Bible, if you've been in church for some time, you've probably heard this story. And yet the depths of truth that are in this uh, are exhaustive. But I'd be remiss if I didn't cover the obvious first. In order to understand it, it's good for us to understand, first of all, who the sower is primarily. The sower is who? Well, those of you that said Jesus got it right, those of you that refrained, you don't get the bonus prize because you stayed quiet. It is Jesus. He's the sower. The seed. What is the seed according to the parable? Does anybody know? The Word of God. All in favor? Hearty amen? Anybody opposed? Okay. It is the Word of God. That is validated not just in Matthew, but in Mark and in Luke. The same story is told in the three different Gospels. Now, each one of us may add a little more detail to it. So thus far we know as we consider the parable of the sower and the seed, the sower is Jesus, the seed is the Word of God. And you're going to learn a lot about your own heart, your own life, and what kind of soil dwells within your heart, because the soil is your heart. It's your heart, not your physical organ, thump, 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 but your mental and emotional faculty that accepts or rejects things. It is that will within you. That's the soil. And so, some things about the sower I want to mention here. First of all, we know it's Jesus, and you know, the neat thing about this parable is uh, the sower's not particular in regards to where he plants the seed. It's, it's as though, it's as though he wants to give all types of ground an opportunity. The down and out, outers and the up and inners. I mean, he, all types of soil, he scatters the seed. To everybody. That's a blessing. I don't know where you were when you received Christ. I know where I was in a little small town up in northern Michigan called Fife Lake. I'm glad the seed got there. I'm glad he didn't just give it to the big cities. I'm glad he was willing to send the seed to the small towns and the rural areas as well. 
As a matter of fact, I think he found better soil in some of those small towns and rural areas. That's just my opinion, and I'll stick with it. But the thing we learned about the sower is he's not a respecter of persons. Apparently, he, he has hopes for all the ground. And the seed, now interesting thing about the seed, he doesn't seem to be real frugal with the seed, does he? I mean, it's not like, because I know a regular farmer, you got so much seed, you got to use that right, but the Lord Jesus, he takes his seed and just throws it everywhere. Almost nonchalant. It's almost like he's not going to run out. It's like there's just plenty for the whole earth. Lots of seed, lots of seed. You know something, too? Uh, not only do we see this about the sower, that obviously he cares about all this soil. He's at least giving it an opportunity. But, you know, those of you that uh, are mindful of the grace and mercy and kindness and protection and provision of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, uh, the best place to find the sower is look for the trail of seed. You want to find the sower? Follow the seed. Got a Bible in your hand? Lift that baby up. There it is. There it is. That's seed, friends. That's seed. And if you want to find the sower, follow the seed. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You want to find the sower, follow the seed. But something about the seed we need to understand before I really get into the message as well. The seed, let's consider this for just a moment. There's obviously plenty for everybody. There's enough seed for all ground, not just particular ground. The seed has power to produce life. It has, it has power to add value to ground that one time did not have value. And if the, if the seed does not produce, it is not the fault of the seed. If the seed does not produce, it is not the fault. The seed does not lose its power. Because the same seed that has been planted in one person's heart that rejected it, I've seen other people receive it and be transformed. They found seeds of a particular flower, and I'm trying to remember what kind it was, in, in the tombs of Egypt, in those pyramids that had been there for thousands and thousands of years, but the seed had lied dormant, and when they planted it in England, it had been the early 1900s, when they planted it, they discovered it did not lose its power. It was never the fault of the seed. No. Life is determined by what is done with the seed. Your Christian life, your life is determined by what is done with the seed. You know, when Joshua took Moses' place, big shoes to fill, you go into Joshua chapter 1, God begins the book by saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now that was a funeral that only God attended. 
Joshua would take the baton and have to lead the people of Israel. And Joshua was a little anxious because he knew he wasn't Moses. And Joshua, in, in, the, in chapter 1 of Joshua, over and over, God says, Be of good courage. I am with thee. Be of good courage. God knows when we're a little discouraged or a little nervous. He knows that. And here's what he says in verse 8, right in the middle of that chapter. He says, uh, <clears throat> he says something. This book of the law. This book of the law. Oh, there's more to it. Shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to uh, keep all my commandments. And then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. That's the only place you'll find the word success in the Old Testament. God said, Joshua, your leadership is determined by what you do with my word. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury... What becomes of your life is a result of what you do with God's book. You say, well, I don't want it. Well, then, see what your life turns to. Well, you know, I like some of it. Well, okay. I've learned this. A part-time Christian can never beat a full-time devil. That was so good, you ought to write it down. All right, move move on here. Next, let's look at the ground, the soil. Verse 4. And when he sowed... Some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Now again, it does help to have Mark and Luke with us to kind of give us a little more insight on this parable. But regardless, we read this same soil in all three Gospels. Some seed fell by the wayside. What is the wayside? The wayside was the place of uh, uh, transportation. It was the it was the place where people, it was the way people walked. It was a trail, it was a path, it was a road. It was highly traversed, busy traffic. Now, you know, even before they had asphalt roads, and even before they had the idea of putting down gravel for roads, it wasn't difficult to figure out the roads that were most often traveled because they were, they, they, the ground was hard. There was no grass. When we were in Africa, there was a lot of different roads like that. It's like, man, they could play basketball. And a lot of them swept their houses on dirt floors that were just extremely hardened. You could lay seed on that, and it was the wind was just going to blow it away unless the birds got it first. Sounds like an earthquake. That's all right. We're ready for the return, right? Probably some kid getting disciplined up there, you know. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> this idea of the wayside, that's what it's talking about. It's a, it's, a, it's a piece of ground that's very hard, packed down, that's been walked on a lot. It's hardened by the continual business that moves across it. And the Lord says some, some of the seed fell by it, and the, the fowls came and devoured it up. Because it never did take root. It never did go into the soil. Um, in Luke chapter 8, verse 12, the Bible says, Then cometh the devil and taketh away the seed. He, these fowls represent the spiritual enemy who removes the seed. But we also get the interpretation here in Matthew 13. If you want to take a peek down at uh, uh, verse 
19, verse 19. So he says, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is the seed. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So Jesus said they never understood it. You know why they never understood it? I don't know about you. It's hard for me to concentrate on two things at once. If my mind is focused on the things of this world, it's, gonna, it's not really going to be focused on the things of God. And the people on the wayside there, they are so focused on the things of this world, on the temporal, on the material, on <coughs> the, uh, the things that have no eternal value. They're so focused on these things that they don't have time for the eternal. They don't have time for the immortal. They don't have time for the spiritual. Oh, no, 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 because their mind is completely occupied. No wonder they don't understand it. They don't even give it a chance to think about it. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Ask that, answer that question. Friend, hey, you that are consumed with the things of this world, you that are consumed with a bigger house, a bigger check, hey, listen, I'm not saying those things are sin, but if they so consume you that they prevent you from receiving the gospel, receiving truth, friend, you're, going to, you're in for a heap of trouble here. Because what's it going to profit you if you get all you want in this life and you die and go to hell? Absolutely means nothing. By the way, the older we get, the quicker life goes by. It is but a vapor. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. I'm just here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, listen, uh, that wayside heart is the one that is absolutely absorbed with what can I get now, what can I have now, selfish gratification now, I'm all consumed about now, 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 now. And they never think about the end result. And the end result is not just the, uh, the funeral home. Oh, no, 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 no. There is an eternity to step into. And the death of your physical body does not, is not the end all for, for us. Regardless of what some people try to teach, well, you just totally, you're obliterated after that. No, 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 no. God said we'll give an account. There's a heaven, there's a hell. That's the truth of the Word of God right there. You say, I don't believe that. Read the Bible. So I've got to move on here. The wayside, the wayside. No wonder the wayside never produced any fruit the people on the wayside don't even get saved. There is hope. I will say this, there's hope. People on the wayside, listen. Because I believe hard ground can be tilled up. I, I do. I believe that there are places in our communities that once had roads, that they've removed the roads and they've turned to farmland. I know a lot of it's the other way around now. But they've turned it, they dig down, get through the hardened surface there, till it up and soften the soil. Well, how does that take place? Oh, a good heartache will do that. I'm not being mean, I'm just telling the truth. A heartache, heartbreak, trial, tragedy, shake, a, a world-shaking event in your heart, oh yeah, that'll shake up that, that wayside ground. There's a lot of people during 911 that uh, got to thinking about eternity. It didn't give us a national revival, but it did get people thinking. Next thing, oh, by the way, by the way, uh, here's some people in the Bible that I think illustrate the wayside. I'd say Judas. Can you imagine Judas? He had a wayside heart. 
Yeah, but he followed Jesus for three years. I know it. He saw the miracles of Jesus. He heard the wisdom of Jesus. Oh, my goodness, he was fed by food that Jesus provided. Oh, he enjoyed the protection and the fellowship of Jesus. But for three years, as he's with Jesus, it never did enter his heart. You know why? His mind wasn't focused on the eternal, but his mind was focused on the temporal. What can I get out of this? And when he found out Christ was going to be crucified, yeah, nothing doing there. He didn't even say, he, he, he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, for some change. That's all? That's all. And Peter tells us in the book of Acts, he went to his own place. That wasn't heaven. What kind of heart did he have? What kind of soil did he have? Wayside soil. His mind was consumed about what's in it for me now in this life. And friend, we're not living just for this life. We're living for another life. That's very important. I know we got a holiday coming up. I want you to enjoy yourselves. But friend, we enjoy ourselves most when we've got things taken care of in eternity. Judas, oh, and Pilate, he pictures, he's a type of the wayside ground as well. Look at old Pilate. He even testified in regards to Jesus. I find no fault in him, but he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to, uh, uh, prevent the crucifixion because if he did, oh, they were going to tell on him that he had turned against Caesar. His mind was all about advancement. Advancement. He wasn't, he wasn't thinking about the eternal. There's a man that's in hell right now still trying to wash the blood off his hands. Agrippa. Oh, my mercy. He hears the apostle Paul witness for the, with the power of God on his life. And he says to Paul, Almost persuadest thou me to be a Christian. Almost. And there's a lot of people that are going to die and go to hell that were almost saved. But there's nobody that goes to heaven almost. You get to heaven, it's because you completely receive Christ. And then, not just Agrippa, but old Felix. Felix. Felix the cat. The wonderful, wonderful cat. Felix. He wasn't a cat. Felix was a, a governor. He too would interrogate the Apostle Paul and hear Paul's testimony. And the Bible says this about Felix in Acts chapter 26. It says he trembled. And then he said to Paul, I'm going to send you back to the prison and we'll talk on a more convenient, convenient time. These people on the wayside, never, it's never convenient to come to church. It's never convenient to give Jesus opportunity to speak to them. They've got too many other things going on. That's wayside. That's wayside. I spent a lot of time on the wayside. I don't think we're going to get through this whole thing. Tune in next week. Lord willing, we'll do that. But I do want to cover the next one here. Look at verse uh, 5. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Now look on down to verse uh, 20. Verse 20. This is the interpretation. 
But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. That word anon, don't get hung up on that. It just means immediately, quickly. He received it with joy. Verse 21, yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. Look at verse 21. For when tribulation or, what's the word? i got seven of you reading your Bible. Persecution ariseth because of the, of the word. By and by he is offended. So here's a fellow. Here's a fellow on the stony ground. He, he receives the word. He's excited about receiving the word. Well, man, I don't want to die and go to hell. And all i got to do is receive Christ as my Savior? Yeah, that's it, man. You, oh, wonderful. And so he does this. He makes this decision. And boy, he's around people that are excited for him. And everything, the, the waters are calm around him. I mean, things are pretty smooth for a little while. He's in church. He's, he's involved, gets active. Oh, it's just a wonderful thing. But oh, no, now, now they've got diversity training at work. And now, that, now, if he doesn't say, I can agree that when she wants to be a he, that she's a he. And if, if he doesn't follow suit with all that stuff, we can talk about public school system. If they don't follow suit with all the perversion that's taking place, because they're Christians... Well, they're going to stand out. They might get picked on. I'm not talking just by the students, but by faculty. Surely you don't believe that Noah and the ark is a true story, do you? Yep, sure do. I mean, they're going to be put in their place. Oh, but wait a minute. The person that gets to see the thorny ground, thorny ground people are like, well, maybe I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I need to keep my job and all this stuff. And Okay, I can... You all play euchre? I can renege. That's a euchre term. I'm sorry, maybe I shouldn't use that term. I, don't, uh, I, can, I can reject what I once held to as being true. And so they hide... This little light of theirs, they hide it under a bush. As a result, it stunts their growth. It, it hinders their relationship with God. As a result, there is no fruit in their lives. As a result, uh, <clears throat> they feel the anguish. If they do have real life in them, they are dying inside because they're quenching the Spirit. They're grieving the Spirit of God. If there is any real life, because it's possible there wasn't. It's possible it was just a show. Uh, uh, but on the same token, they could have been saved. But now they're so f- fearful that, ah, oh, they're not going to say a word. That's the thorny ground, people. I'm going to give you some characters in the Bible that you might not think had thorny ground hearts. But the very fact that I'm going to give you their names ought to give you hope. It ought to give you hope. So what did Jesus say the thorny ground people were? He, they were the people that they received the seed. They're excited about receiving the seed. But when the seed grows, it gets choked by the cares of this world. Or not the cares of the world. It gets choked when tribulation and persecution comes. Now, it doesn't get choked. It, uh, when tribulation and persecution comes, because there's no root, no depth, no real commitment, oh, it's uprooted just like that. 
That's the thorny ground people. I was getting ahead of myself and talking about the stony ground people. I'm getting mixed up. So anyways, my brain just said the wrong thing. We're talking about the stony ground people right now, right? Yeah, okay. Wow, early stages of dementia. If this gets really bad, I need somebody to point this stuff out to me, okay? That's scary. Stony ground. They have no depth of dirt. They can't grow roots. Persecution uproots them real easy. Who in the Bible, who in the Bible denied Christ at the sign of persecution? He sure did. He sure did. Somebody else uh, left a missionary trip because things got tough. John Mark. John Mark. There's two characters right there that because of the fear of man appear to be uprooted. Now I believe they were both saved men. Obviously they were saved men. As a matter of fact, when Peter... After he denied and he ran, he wept grievously. You know what took place there? Uh, The hope is this. His heart got tilled up. He felt the anguish and guilt of what he did. And stones that were a hindrance began to be removed. And there became more depth of earth. And then we'd eventually read about him preaching to over 3,000 people. We'd eventually read about him testifying and making a statement such as this, it's better to obey God than man, willing to accept persecution. Then we read about him sitting in a prison cell after his friend James has been executed, knowing that he's going to die the next day, and he's sleeping like a baby. They're not going to change his mind now. He's committed. He's got deep roots, deep roots. But at one time, it was, thorn, it was stony, stony ground, stony ground, no roots, no roots. There may be people in this room just like that. You've never made a real strong commitment. And the proof of that is all it takes is a little distress, a little tr- struggle, a little persecution to uproot you. And if you're truly saved, it ought to bother you. It ought to bother you. Now, if you're not saved, that's a whole different story. You've got a more serious problem there. But Jesus is giving us these soils, and he's telling us stony ground people, they have no root, no real strong commitment. Why go into a little illustration of that? You know, roots grow in the dark. Your private life has a lot to do with your public life. But we've got to move on here. Next ground, next ground, I think we've got a moment, if you can hang with me. Uh, trust me, the roast won't burn. You're probably going to eat out today anyways. Look at, uh, look at verse 6. Verse 6. I'm sorry, verse 7. Verse 7. Verse 7. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground. Ah, I'm going to get out of myself. Just verse 7. Thorns. Thorns. Now look, at down, look down at verse 22. Verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word 
and he becometh unfruitful. Didn't say he didn't have the seed in him. Didn't say he wasn't saved. He just became unfruitful. This crowd, this crowd. I can relate to this crowd. I can relate to this crowd. This is the crowd that uh, they struggle with the allurements of worldly pleasure and gain to the degree that there's a pull, there's a drift in their heart. There's a, there's a gravitational pull. Man, I could be camping. I could, I could be doing this and this, but I don't want to go to church. It's my only day off. Come on! I'm not begrudging people time off. Please don't misunderstand me. I am not. But when the routine of your life is, well, I just can't go to church because I've always got, you know, I got a ball game to attend to. I got a, we're camping out this weekend and the next 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 and the next. next. Again, I'm not begrudging anybody the free time. But the danger is when it's every single week and you never really are in church. What's the reason? Well, there's so much fun to be had and only so much time to have it. There's a Bible word Jesus used and it convicted my heart. It's a, it's a word that I would never have understood unless I looked it up in a Webster's Dictionary. Surfeiting. Not sur- it sounds like somebody on a on a surfboard, surfeiting. No, it has the idea of being caught up in the pleasures of this world. He tells us, beware. Here in American culture, at least at this juncture, it's not as much persecution as it is pleasure that draws the people of God away from his house and his work and his vineyard, his field, his labor. Did you hear me? It's not as much persecution as it is pleasure. Now, we go to other countries, we'd say, well, the issue there is persecution. And the reality is, often, if that's the case, people tend to be stronger Christians that hold up through it. But in a society where there's not a lot of persecution, unfortunately, there's a lot of lukewarmness. See, this idea of thorny ground. Now I got my soil right. Thorny ground. You got saved, but wow. here's here's illustration. I'm thinking of people in my brain right now. I'm not going to say their names. They got born again, got saved. But when they got saved, their life was coming apart. They hit bottom. I mean hit bottom. They had drug problems that took them down. Marriage was just about ready to fold. They were about ready to give in, throw in the towel on that. But they come, they got saved, and they got in church. And what happened was they got involved. And they, are, they do start to grow a little bit. And God, God blesses them for their... All of a sudden, they, a job opportunity opens up for them, a good job. And they, they got work. They're making a good income. And now they can buy things with that income. 
Oh, and now things are exciting because now they want to keep up with the Joneses. So, so-and-so's got this, and I want to get this, and, they get, and they're getting debt, but there's some things they hadn't quite learned yet. But all of a sudden, things op- occupy their mind, just totally occupy their mind. And now, all of a sudden, they, it's like they forgot where they came from. And before long, they start sitting in the back because they got money coming in. Before long, their vacations is like a vacation from church over and over and over again. And by the way, one week without church makes one week. How, what is it when two weeks without church or three weeks or four weeks? Let me tell you, you're not going to be a better Christian without being, having fellowship with the people of God. I'm not just saying that for our church. I'm saying that for everybody that calls himself a child of God. We need each other's fellowship. It's the Lord's institution. institution. He, he's the one that set it up. And so a person says, well, I don't need that. I got all the stuff now. And you forgot where you came from. And and the things of this world, the thorns are choking the spiritual life right out of you. And your kids know what's most important in your life. Your kids see the idolatry in your life. They see it, and it's deadness in your life. And I'm telling you, the way of the transgressor is hard. And it may, you may be building a, a, a house now, but it is a house of cards. So, all oh, the thorny ground can happen to any of us. May I confess? May I confess? Hi, I'm Merv McNair, and I feel like I've been all of the soil at one time or another. I feel like there was a time in my life I was probably wayside. I feel like there was a time in my life when I was stony ground because I was afraid to be a testimony for Christ. I feel like there's been times in my life when Oh, I'm thorny ground because the things of this world draw. I know you've never had that problem, have you? All I can say is I'm thankful God has a big tiller. And when I don't have enough sense to remove the rocks and cut down the weeds myself, He'll do it for me. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. But when he does it, he gets my heart back in the right place. Jeremiah cried out and said, break up your follow ground. Hosea cried out and said, break up your follow ground. Follow ground. What is that? That's hard ground. Break it up so you can receive the seed. The word of life. Beautiful words. Wonderful words. Wonderful words of life. Acts chapter 9, Paul is on the road to persecution to Damascus. He wants to persecute Christians. Here's what's amazing. The good ground is pretty self-explanatory. I don't need to talk a whole lot about that. But I'll say this. Sometimes, sometimes this seed can land in certain areas where you and I would say, why there? It ain't going to work there. And God says, you know, sometimes there's good soil where it's least expected. And this, uh, this man by the name of Saul, wreaking havoc on the church, he's, he's put to prison men and women for the faith. He's going to have an encounter with the sower. And the seed is going to be dropped in his heart. But the reality is, it had already been dropped in his heart. Stephen, at his death, delivered the seed 
in Saul's heart. And for a long time it sat on the surface. The birds hadn't taken it away yet. And when Jesus met him, he tilled up the ground. And that man named Saul would bend his knee and bow his head and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Oh, yeah. And I believe we could all agree that uh, it turned out to be pretty good ground. You see, what is that fruit? Just a moment. What is that fruit? That fruit is eternal life, and that's everything else besides that is icing on the cake, but it, it's, it's more than that. Because when a person has that eternal life abiding in them, that fruit begins to show evidence of character, Christian character. And honesty, a decency, and integrity begins to be manifest in that individual's life. A joy, a peace, a comfort that the world can't give you, that money can't buy. All of a sudden, to be right with God is the greatest satisfaction. All of a sudden, nothing else satisfies like knowing my fellowship is in sync with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that there, this fellowship produces joy. And nobody can take it from me. Jesus said, my joy I give you that no man can take from you. And that joy is not based on things, circumstances. It's based on your relationship, your choice to receive Christ and follow Him. When it lands on that kind of ground, He struck oil. There are people in the room right now Maybe you've been through all of that and you've had your ground tilled up. But I know there are people in this room and there are people that are members of our church that aren't here, wonderful people that God has used and God has produced fruit. I've seen a character change, not just that grace evident in their life, but I've seen a transformation in their words, their motives, their heart for others. Good character. What happened there? He struck oil. He struck oil. Father, bless the message. Thank you for the Word of God. May the Spirit of God help us. I don't know what kind of soil is strongest in the hearts of those in the room. But I do pray, Father, that you'd help us to keep the soil loose with an attitude of gratitude with a humble spirit and a willingness, Lord, to follow you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask this question. Maybe there's somebody here this morning who'd say, Preacher, I don't know that I'll go to heaven. I don't know that. I don't want to die and go to hell, but I am not certain that I will go to heaven. If you'd lift your hand, I'll pray for you. Is there anyone like that? that say, that's me, preacher. Pray for me. Lift your hand, and I will pray for you. Anyone like that as I look around? Anyone like that? Let me ask this next question. Can you identify with any of the soil? Are you good ground? Are you thorny ground? Are you stony ground? Do you want to be good ground? 
Has the Lord spoke to you about something that in your life you know a decision needs to be made about? And if so, would you let me pray for you? Would you be willing to raise your hand just as a testimony? God bless you. God bless you. Father, bless those that have raised their hands, strengthen, encourage them, revive, refresh their spirit. Keep our hearts tender, Lord. Thank you for fellowship, friendship, church family, for the word of life. Bless our invitation. I ask this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.